Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good day, everyone. This is Tony Moskal with your high school sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for everyone. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm here with head Golden Valley basketball coach Chris Prince, and I. the reason we're doing Golden Valley High School and Golden Valley basketball is I find it to be an interesting topic because of some things that have transpired over the last couple of years, and, and now Chris Prince is in his second stint as the head coach at Golden Valley after starting the program when the school first opened, and Chris, thanks for joining me here. Hey, thanks for having us. Um, let's get back to your playing career. How did you get started in coaching? Where did you play? And what got you interested in basketball? Well, I, I love basketball from the earliest age. I mean, I love all sports. You know, growing up, I played them all. You know, back in the 70s and 80s, that was a beautiful thing. You know, we could all just go and uh, get your friends together and you go and play baseball over the line or, you know, football or soccer or whatever it was. Um, basketball had a special appeal to me because it was something I could do alone. You know, all I needed was a ball and a hoop and even the hoop sometimes you didn't need, you know, if you just wanted to work on your handles and stuff. So I kind of fell in love with it that way. Um, in terms of coaching, um, I never played basketball organized uh, growing up. My parents uh, put me in soccer and baseball, but I was never able to play basketball. So I, I ended up going to middle school and just randomly tried out for the you know middle school basketball team and made it and that just kind of you know started my playing career um you know I played I was lucky and fortunate to play in a great program at Simi High um legendary coaches you know Bob Hawking who went on to um coach at uh, Cal State Fullerton um Dean Bradshaw uh I was an assistant with Christian Aran so um you know that really kind of was the the the, the root of you know, the foundation of my basketball knowledge. When you look back at those days and those times, did you ever think, did you ever foresee yourself getting into coaching? Yeah, I actually did. Um, funny story is when I was about fifth grade, my mom and dad sat me down and asked me what I wanted to do. And of course, I'm a fifth grade boy. So I said, I'm going to, you know, play in the NBA. And uh, they kind of pointed out some of the, um, uh, statistics obstacles yeah. <laughs> that would be that would be in my way as a you know kind of you know slow can't jump that high guy um I was barely three-dimensional I was like six four <laughs> 145 but um you know in the fifth grade you know, obviously I wasn't that big then but I, I they sat me down and it made sense you know it was kind of heartbreaking at times but um from that moment on I really wanted to play as long as I could and then get into coaching and, um, you know, when March Madness was coming around, it was funny how every single year my attendance would be pretty poor um, and I'd always get sick. And I would sit and watch, you know, tournament games with a clipboard and a piece of paper and pretend to coach and kind of just if I saw something I like, I try to copy it down or watch the demeanor of how guys did. So um, that really just started my love of trying you know, to stay in the game with coaching. And back then you got a clipboard, you're a 15, 14, 15 year old kid and you're, you're in your living room and you're drawing stuff up. Did, have you used any of those? Jeez, uh, <laughs> you know, that's so long ago. I, I think some of the, you know, the thoughts and the principles um, are, are, are probably there, you know, somewhere, but um, 
I don't remember exactly what I was doing in fifth grade. I was I was talking to a couch that had nobody sitting there. But to me, it was, you know, we were in the middle of the NCAA tournament and there was a bench of guys in front of me. And, you know, what do I have to say in a timeout? Uh, you know, things like that. Um, uh, you know, it was, that was fun. How did those coaches that you first had, how did they mold you as as a coach today, as a person today? And what do you use from them? I think the single biggest thing is building a culture. Um, and that's really what I what I learned from them um, was the importance of of the culture of a program, because if you can develop that culture, it does a lot of your coaching for you. And I think that that's why they were able to be so successful for so long. Um, when I was in high school, you know, see me at that time was only 10th, 11th and 12th grades. But my three years in high school, um, we won, we were in the middle of winning five league titles in a row. And um, it didn't matter, you know, you'd have a class, you'd graduate them. And then the very next year, you know, my sophomore year was when Don McLean was a senior and they won a CIF title. Um, and, you know, there were two underclassmen on that team. So they graduated everybody. And the next year we won the title again. And they graduated everybody. And the next year, my senior year, we won the title again. And I think it really was the culture that had been created there. And as a freshman, you look at that culture of the upper class, the varsity, and you kind of know what's expected. And, and I want to get back to that because you've done that here at Golden Valley when, when you got here the first time. And now you're tasked to do it again. So how did you find your way to Golden Valley High School? Because we're only 15 years old. I had taken a teaching job at Newbury Park High School and was the JV coach there for Steve Johnson, who had been my JV coach at Simi High. And so, you know, he had coached in that culture and then had taken it to Newbury and recreated it. And so I was a part of that. But um, I was looking for an opportunity to, to run my own program. And um, I had applied uh, for the Royal High School job and had been offered it. But when I looked at it in terms of teaching, I just really didn't feel that um, I was gonna be able to teach what I wanted to teach. And that's, I'm a teacher first. Um, and that was part of the decision-making. And another part was I just wasn't very confident that at that time, the culture could be created at Royal. And so I turned it down. Um, the Foothill League is very similar to the Marmani League, you know, back then. And um, so when this school opened and the job opened, I thought, you know, what the heck, let's try it. And no ties to the Santa Clarita Valley at all. Fill out the application, come out and meet the principal. And had no ties to Santa Clarita Valley whatsoever. As a matter of fact, um, after I, I had applied for the job and um, I came and interviewed with the principal and the assistant principal and the athletic director, um, and then I didn't hear anything for a couple of weeks. And so I, I was assuming that I had not gotten the job and uh, I got a call um, and um, 
it was the principal secretary. Um, the campus wasn't even open yet. It was the year before. And she said, hey, we're having a training for our staff next uh, for next year. Um, <laughs> next week, are you going to be available? And I'm like, well, am I on this staff? Am I on the staff? <laughs> exactly. Um, so I, so I, I took the job, had not even seen the campus. Um, went after finding that out that weekend, got in the car with the family and drove out here. And at that time, Golden Valley Road didn't have an exit off the 14. So I got lost and <laughs> never found the campus that day. So here I was, head coach of a, of a brand new program, brand new school, and I didn't even know where the campus was. That's awesome. And, <laughs> but now the building up here, everything goes through. So you've, you've been finding your way successfully for the last 15 years, which 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 is good. 16, so, I think. 16. 16. We, yeah, we are 16. Um so your first practice with this group of kids, and, and the school was formed, obviously opened 2000, 2005, four or five, four or five, with a freshman and a sophomore class, yes. which, and, and we've had this discussion about how it kind of got done a little bit wrong because a lot of the 10th graders were at school somewhere else, and then they were told, hey, you're picking up and now you're going to this new school. And a lot of kids really didn't want to come here. Some did, but you get that first group of kids. What was your message to them that first day of Golden Valley Grizzly basketball practice? Well, I, going back to the to the the ninth and tenth grade thing, it was a very unusual um, situation, and and uh, you know I'm not going to criticize any of the decision makers. They signed my paycheck, right? So, um, but I I I think, and looking at how West Ranch then opened the next year as only ninth grade. And how Castaic High School has opened this year as only ninth grade. Um, I, I, I think that I think the district realized that that put families in a difficult situation. They had spent their freshman year at one school, and now all of a sudden they're going to be sent, you know, somewhere else. And um, the other thing that made that very very complicated was that they had passed something known as the potential varsity athlete rule which said that if you had been a freshman, um, but were now supposed to transfer to Golden Valley, but had been an athlete in any sport, and that coach considered you as a potential varsity athlete, didn't mean you ever would be, just potential, then you got to stay at the school. And that was a loophole that a lot of athletes and students used because they didn't want to go to the unknown. Um, and, I, and I think a lot of coaches use that too to say, wait a minute, this kid lives over there. This kid's a pretty good athlete. Uh, you know what? We're going to keep this kid. You know, it, well, I'll, I'll just say this, that um, I found myself in the first year of coaching with a group that had to be a JV team because we had sophomores. And yet of the sophomores that I had, um, none of them had made a freshman team at any of their high schools in the district. They had all been cut from the <laughs> freshman team, which most freshman team take, you know, 14, 15 right, kids. So right. They had not been able to do that. And yet now as a sophomore, they found themselves not only on a basketball team, but a starter on a JV team and then on the varsity team as a junior where they couldn't make a freshman team. So kind of the whole, the whole message was, you know, we were going to, we were going to, you know, try something new. You know, this was whatever they were going to do was going to establish a legacy. 
And, and that was kind of the message for the first couple of years. And um, it really meant a lot to me, um, the guys who were in that first graduating class. Um, they, they meant a tremendous amount to me. Um, and I say that because while we went 0-10 their senior year um, in league, um, they, we were talking about culture. They did it. They established a culture. And while they weren't successful, what they did, I firmly believe in my heart, um, set the stage for what would happen a couple of years later. And when we did have success a couple of years later and we were making the run, I, I made sure that as we went through the, Mar or the Foothill League, excuse me, that I brought seniors back from that group and had them talk in the pregame to my guys because I wanted them to know that what we were doing at that time and in 08, 09, 09, 10 was solely because of what they had done in the years they were. And, and how did that resonate with the kids coming in after that, because they look at it, they go, oh, wow, they went 0 and 10. I got to go to this school. I got to I got to deal with that. And I'm sure it took a little bit of time to build that culture. How many years do you think it really took for you to say, you know what? We are Golden Valley basketball. This is the definition of what we are and what we want to be. I don't know if I, I I don't know if I've ever gotten to the top of that mountain, to be honest with you. Um, but I but I will say that. um I think the time that I that I realized it was um, the year after those first seniors had graduated, and when we started spring practice, um, I realized that I didn't have to say as much because things that I had had to you know implement and then remind and reinforce and. Um, we had done so many times and the seniors had done such a great job of, of setting the foundation and the culture that the program kind of runs itself in that way. And that's when I really looked and went, wow, those guys, you know, the Kyle McAtees um, and, you know, the, the Jamel Patterson's and Evan Graham's and um, Tarver's and all those guys, um, you know, they meant a lot. And, and that goes a long way because I'm sure as you, as I, you, you keep in touch with those kids. Who else was instrumental in helping you build that culture that was by your side the whole time, part of the time, that kind of helped reinforce your message? Well, I was lucky to have good assistants, you know, and um, they were guys who came in and worked hard and, um, you know, put up with me. And um, so that was that was a big part of it. Um, and then, you know, we, we got some kids who could play, you know, and um, I, I am not a recruit. You, right. you, you and right. I have had this right. discussion right. many times. And, um, you know, I know a lot of guys say that, and I think everybody says it. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know me well enough to know that it, it's true. I, I, I don't. Um, I've never wanted anybody else's player, but I've, I've always said that one of the, hardest parts of coaching at Golden Valley is trying to just make sure you keep your own players. Right. And right. so when we were able to, to, to keep Maverick and Trevor and guys like that, um, you know, that allowed us then to add, you know, some really sophisticated talent 
to the culture and the foundation that we had already established. Um, and that was a, a, you know, obviously a pretty, pretty good combination. And we're going to take a break right now while I read a couple of commercials that you may be interested in. It's 2020. We're heading into a new year. And for the first time in a long time, the Patriots are not making the Super Bowl. So who's your next pick? Head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted in the industry. Football not your thing? No worries. MyBookie's got it all. From the NBA to the Premier League, they've even got odds on the UFC. And with everybody's favorite Irish nuisance fighting on the 18th, things are bound to get exciting. MyBookie has the fastest payouts, best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is use the promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash for MyBookie. Bet, win, get paid. Support for these shows comes from Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. If you're going to pick any New Year's resolution, let it be to take care of your junk. Manscaped is making it easy with their men's grooming products. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag. Manscaped accidents are finally a thing of the past. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLEAV at manscaped.com. Start the new year off the right way by using the best tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. Back here with Coach Chris Prince, Golden Valley High School. Those first teams, you mentioned Maverick and Trevor and Stevie, and, and the talent level that they brought to the table. How much fun was it for you to see their success, to see the style of play, and, and the program success after coming from not even being able to find the school? <laughs> um, I remember... I remember snapshots. Uh, obviously, you look back now, and I mean that's over a decade ago. And isn't that crazy? I know it's weird. I'm old, um, and it's uh, it kind of meshes all together. And I think looking back on it, I one of the things I regret is that I didn't enjoy it in the moment as much as I should have. I I felt so much pressure because I didn't want to fail those players. Um, I, I didn't necessarily care too much about the outside world and the outside noise, but I really did care about those kids and, and just didn't want to fail them. Um, the interesting part about, you know, those groups is at the top, there were some exceptional kids, you know, Maverick, who obviously went on to win an NIT championship at Minnesota plays professionally. Um, you know, we can go down with Stevie Thornton, Taylor Statham. We got lucky, but the other part of that is the equation that people don't see is that the strength of that team was the role players. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of those role players had got cut at other schools. You know, the, 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 the idea that we started with kids um, that had to come here as sophomores the very first year because they hadn't made a freshman team, that was just the way it ended up being. But we continued to have kids 
who were cut at other schools and were told they weren't good enough and, um, you know, found their way to Golden Valley. You know what? I had no idea who they were, had no clue, but they showed up, they tried out and we were able to find roles for guys. You know, if you had seen Dakota Nunley, you wouldn't have thought, oh, that's a, that's a guy, you know, basketball player, but he was a huge contributor for us. Just energy, effort. And we had a ton of those guys. Uh, Katari Price, yeah. who was just huge for us, had been cut at Valencia. And I can't, I don't know how. I, I mean, I, that's a first world problem that I don't right, deal with. Right, right, right. But, you know, Tari was Tari was huge for us. So we were able to get. And I'm trying to think of the the, the short, stocky, buff DJ African-American kid. Kid couldn't hit a free throw to save his life, but but Brandon boy, Hale. what a lot of energy he brought. Um, you, you know, we we just we were able to take the things that they could do and sell it to them and get them to buy into. Hey, I don't have to do this and I don't have to do that. These are the things I have to do, and and they did it. And and, and you can and they can together. and they were successful at it. They and were that, successful, and that's kind of the icing on the cake. How did that make you feel? As I know it makes you feel good as a coach to win the first league title in school history, but then to come back the next year and back it up, did that kind of reaffirm that, wait a minute, I, I know what I'm doing here? I remember the first league title. We we clinched it the last game of the year. We had to win or we would have been in a tie with Hart. Um, and we had to go to West Ranch, which is already a rivalry game, and they were very good that year. Um and we ended up playing what I thought was almost a perfect game. I don't know if I've, I've ever been associated with a team that played that well. And we we got up real big. I think we won by 33 or something like that. You know, that's a while ago. So I could, right, right. could so have we, the numbers yeah. a little off. But <laughs> I remember that it gave me a time that with a few minutes left in the fourth quarter, I, you could see that we were going to win. And we were going to win the title. And uh it was it was hard. I still get a little emotional about yeah, it now. Yeah. And um, I remember the buzzer went off. I shook hands with everybody on my team and congratulated my coaches and everything. Shook hands with, you know, Sean Legault and the West Ranch players. Wished them luck in the playoffs. And then I looked across the, the gym and I saw my wife. And we both looked at each other, just mouthed to each other, did that just happen? And um, so it was surreal. The next year when we came back and won it um, – I do think there was a little validation there. Okay. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll admit to that. And th and that's a great thing. Now when you go into the gym and you look up at that banner with everybody's name on it and then you look across the way that the the, the two back-to-backs, do you ever catch yourself in practice thinking back at those times? No. No. I'll, I, I will sometimes reference things from, from back then, but to be honest with you, Tony, most of the time when I talk about um, – the program back then and what we did, I, I I talk about the first two or three years where we struggled and what we had to do to build the culture and to get over the hoops. Um, I don't really talk too much about the championships. I talk about what we had to do to get ourselves ready to win a championship because that's kind of the, the situation we're in. Right. So then you, you step away from Golden Valley and you know, get refreshed, the whole family thing. You find yourself coaching at CME. How did that whole thing transpire? Well, when after we won the second one, I 
I was dealing with some health issues and, and it had taken a big, big I remember trouble. you were missing a lot of school and I was covering your class yeah. and trying to teach smart guy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I found myself in the hospital a couple of times and my yeah. wife was pregnant with our fourth kid. Um, and at that point, something had to go. Okay. And, um, you know, I was, I was, I was teaching, uh, two sections of AP, three sections of AP US history, one section of AP government. I was a basketball coach and I was athletic director and it was too much. And, um, I, I, I just literally broke down. Um, and I stepped away from the game. Um, when I did, you know, Christian Arend, who was a good friend of mine, was head coach at team. He said, Hey, get your alma mater. Um, anytime you want to be around, you want to be in the gym, be here. You're, you're welcome. And so it really just, it just, that first year I was just helping out. I, I would miss a lot of practices and I wasn't really, you know, I was just kind of around and Christian, I think was just doing me a favor by letting me stay somewhat connected to the game that I love. Um, the next year, Christian decided he was going to step down and the, you know, the heir was, was Ryan Bradshaw, who's the current um, coach who I had actually coached as a little kid growing up with Jared Weaver, oh, wow. um, the wow. pitcher for the Angels. Right, yeah. that's going back. Yeah, it's going way back. And he wasn't quite ready to take over as head coach. And the year after Christian stepped down, there was a real talent gap at Simi. And so we kind of discussed it. And we were really kind of more co-coaches, but I had the title because at that point – I felt it was my responsibility to that program, which had done so much for me to kind of take one for the team. And, uh, you know, for two years I did. Um, and then it became, you know, time where Ryan was ready and it was, um, I was more than ready to, to step away. That was an impossible, impossible situation to be teaching at one school yeah. and trying to coach at another. And while people were, were upset because they're like, well, if you have time to coach at Simi, why don't you have time to coach at Golden Valley? They didn't realize that when when I was coaching at Golden Valley, you know, my wife was teaching Golden Valley as well. So when I'm stuck out here for practice or games, so was she and so were the kids. And they went to school and see me, my older right. daughter. So we'd have to go back. When I was at see me, I could go home and it's the gym was five minutes from home. I could get my kids, take them home, get them started on homework, five minutes drive to practice, five minute drive home, and I'm back to being dad. And so for those two years, that was the the salvation in it. But, um, you know, I, I was, it, it was an experience. I'm, I'm glad I did it. Um, and uh, what'd you learn from it? Kind of taking a back seat to someone where you just get to sit back and watch. Well, I mean, the, the year that I got to, the year that I got to, you know, be an assistant for, for Christian was good for me because it allowed me to just kind of take a bunch of deep breaths and, you know, kind of focus on my health and, and things like that. Um, it was nice to see other, you know, programs and, you know, obviously I've been a part of that program for so long. I, I, I kind of knew it, but it reinforces some of the things that you think. But for me, the, the biggest lesson was it reminded me of what the true purpose of, of coaching is in, in my mind, which winning is great. Yeah. It's awesome. I love it. You know, I'm, I'm a very competitive. Well, who doesn't? Person, we know? all want to win. But, but that's not, that's not the foundation of what I think a coach is supposed to do. I, I, 
I look at it very seriously as we're educators. And, um, you know, in class, we don't get to pick who our students are. We do the best we can with what we with have the kids that we have. And I, I feel like that's the true purpose of high school athletics um, is to teach life lessons. And I know these are cliches, but they're cliches for a reason because they're the truth. And well, it and, really is the foundation of what we're supposed to be doing. Here. And, and you look at what we're doing and yeah, you were blessed to have Maverick, Trevor and Stevie, three kids go division one off of one team, one year. I don't think anybody else in the Santa Clarita Valley Foothill League has ever had that. But now when you look back, Maverick's the only one still playing. You know, Stevie and Trevor are doing, you know, the, the professional working thing. And I think when we really take a look at it, yeah, that's our job. Let's prepare these kids for life because the reality is none of them are going to the NBA. You know, if, if they do, that's great. And right. And, and I, I I would love it. I, I remember the, you know, the first – First year I was here as a coach, um, we had a game, we lost, and I I said in the locker room afterwards, I said, hey, look, you know, I don't know if any of you are ever going to be an NBA player. The, the, the chances are, are are really slim. You know, you have a greater chance of being hit by lightning twice right. than playing in the NBA. And I said, but you're all going to be fathers. You're going to be husbands. You're going to be workers. Um, you're going to be friends. And, you know, you – you can still learn a lot from this game that can help you accomplish all of those things that are outside of the game of basketball. And, you know, I'm it, it, one of the neatest things about being back is getting to reconnect with a lot of guys. It's been so neat to see so many people return and come and just say, hey, coach, I'm so glad that you're back. What can I do to help? You know, I, I, I just want to be involved. You know, emails, phone calls, guys showing up to games. Um, even we're in Moorpark for a tournament, and, and we have a former player who, who shows up. So that's been, that's been really neat. Those relationships are what matter. What brought you back? Because obviously there were some, there were some coaching changes. Um, not going to get into all of that, but – you know, Larry Keys had one, you know, a year or two really good, made the playoffs. Yeah, I guess definitely. almost almost beat Diamond Ranch, who ended up winning a CIF championship. But decisions are made, people move on. What brought you back? Was it you or were you approached? Um no, I it, it just it just randomly happened. I, I ended up um Truth be told, I got I got my master's, you know, you know this in in administration, and um, people were kind of surprised because I had always said I never wanted to be an administrator, and I I still don't think I do, but I wanted the master's because I wanted the bump on the salary. Right? Scale. Yeah, <laughs> it seemed like the most usable one. Exactly. I, you know, um, and so I ended up just um, interviewing for summer school principalship. And um, our principal, Mr. Frias Sal, um, had heard about it and was kind of shocked. He didn't know. So he I saw me in the office, called me in and said, hey, you didn't let me know you were trying to do this. And I said, you know, Sal, things have just changed. And my, my family's older. You know, the youngest one at that time was last spring. She was eight turning nine. Now she's nine turning 10 in April. Wyatt, my son, who the first go around was a toddler, is, is now 12. Um, and you know, my oldest daughter's a senior at CSUN, my other daughter's a sophomore in high school. 
And, you know, so my family life was different. I kind of told him, I said, so, you know, I'm just looking to do something. I think I just need to be more involved. And he said, well, funny, you should say that because Larry just resigned. Would you ever want to coach again? And I went home and I thought about it and I talked to my wife about it. But I'll be honest, with you, the, the decision was made by my son. Um, it was it, it was Wyatt's decision. And to be able to share it with him um, is one of the neatest experiences in my life. Um, to be able to be on the bench and to look down and there's my son keeping stats and to drive home and to have him say, well, dad, why did you do this? Why, why, why this, why that? And Hey, what do you think about trying this? You know, to be sitting there and having that conversation with my own son was surreal, but it's been, he's a, he's a coach in the making. (laughs) Well, he, he, he wants to play before he, you know, Dad, he I ends think, up like his old man. I, I think you should have gone to the one three one track there does. in the third quarter. <laughs> he does. He does. And he's been watching film with me even back when I was the first time around. I mean, he was very young when I was here, but he would sit in the room. And then when I was at Simi, he was older. And he would sit there 11, 12 o'clock at night. And with the coaching staff in my family room, and we're going over film. And he was a sponge. He just sat there and listened to everything um and i'm bragging about my kid i'm sorry no i think you know what though chris i think i'm a proud father i think it's important that if if you're doing something like that you you involve your kids because coaching is a difficult thing and when you look at sports like football and basketball and some of those you're away from your family a lot and if you can involve them in whatever it is you know bringing your kids to practice i've seen coaches with little kids running around here and they and it's great. And the kids, our players love it. The kids yes. love it. I, I think it's a great thing. So now you've, you've got this group of kids. Tough year last year. A lot of kids transferred. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's you know, I, I get so frustrated when I see kids that say, yeah, I left there because this sucks or that sucks or there's no coaching there. And, and, and I, I look at kids and I, I say, you know, if you walk into our gym, there's a couple of banners up there for somebody that won two league titles, and that's your coach. So there's I, I try and support you whenever I can, and oh, you know that. Great, and, yeah. and you know, looking at these kids thinking, what more do you want? There's somebody there that obviously knows what they're doing. Why do all these kids have to leave? And I know you're, hey, I'm just gonna coach with with whoever's here, and and I make my comments in class to kids about these kids that Maybe they're just not strong enough to help build a program. Maybe they don't want to, you know, be part of something special. But when you got that group of kids that first time, what was your message to them about, hey, they're gone. We're here. How are you doing that? And how are you rebuilding the culture? Well, I think it just goes back to the same philosophy. And what we said from day one is that I'm not going to worry about who's not here. I'm going to worry about who is. And I think the other thing that I had to make clear to people is that I was not in this to recruit. Um, I think that a lot of times when you see a bunch of transfers, it has a mental effect on a program and a culture because it is hard to buy into a culture. If let's say you're a freshman coming in to a program and you aren't sure that if you work and you do everything you're supposed to do, 
the freshman year, your sophomore year, your junior year, that the reward will be there for you as a senior. And when you have kids who constantly are transferring in, they're taking that opportunity from that kid. Yeah. So why would that freshman kid buy in? Um, and so I had to make it clear to them, I'm committed to you. You've got to commit to us. Um, and I, I think we've, we've been, you know, really successful at that part of it. And I, I don't, I don't blame anybody. Um, I'm, I don't worry about it. I've, I have um, made it a, a core principle of the program to be positive. We don't talk about anybody who's not here or left. We don't talk about anything negative. There's no criticism of anybody before what it, nothing. We're, we're trying to be positive and move forward. And I want that mentality in my players. Um, I get upset. You know this yep. um, at the at the transferring. Oh um, yeah, I I will say this. Um, I I wish that coaches were true competitors and didn't have to recruit. I I have a hard time believing that you are a truly competitive person if you're recruiting players because that's not competitiveness. That's a saying. Hey, give me the top. 10 students at this school, put them in my class. Yeah, I'll be the teacher look, of the year. Look, yeah. Well, you know what? I, you didn't really yeah. do anything yeah. there, yeah. you know, and I'm not knocking anybody. I, I don't know what goes on in anybody else's program. But to me, if you have to recruit, you aren't competitive. To me, the beauty of sports is that, you know, you get to test yourself. And just because you don't win all the time doesn't mean that you can't be proud of yourself and that there isn't merit in what you're doing. You know, it's funny. I, I had a conversation with a kid after your heart game and I, I said, well, you know, and then the comment is, well, it's not good coaching. I said, well, does somebody teach the two, three zone better than somebody else? Or does somebody teach man to man defense better than somebody else? Because when you miss a shot or you miss a layup or you don't box out for a rebound, I don't know if that's bad coaching. I just think that's a lack of, you know, you not wanting to maybe put forth the effort, maybe not doing that, but you, there's always that convenient, oh, it was the referees they were against us, and oh, it's it's bad coaching. To me, that's kind of a, a cop-out. I, you know, I think so, but I, I think we live in a, in, a, in a world that unfortunately nowadays um, we focus too much on the end result. And we have to find somebody else to blame. And I always thought that some of the greatest life lessons I learned um, from my parents and from athletics was to take ownership, you know, to don't point the finger at somebody else um, until you fully examined what you have to do. And I, I've, been, I've been really, really proud of our guys this year because I think they have. And I know they get frustrated and it. It's normal to, to say, gosh, dang, I wish coach had not subbed this guy or, you know, dot, dot, dot. That, that is a normal thing. But it has to go hand in hand with also pointing the finger at themselves. And I've been very proud. They show up to work every day. Um, you know, you, you would have thought yesterday that it was a team um, that hadn't lost by how we practiced. You know, just intense, focused. Um, and that, that's quite an accomplishment 
um, for those guys. And I saw you play against Hart. They're a scrappy bunch, and we talked after the game. They didn't quit. They didn't give up. They didn't point fingers at each other. They, they kind of took ownership of it, and, and they hustled for 32 full minutes. Is that what you like the most about this group? Definitely. Uh, they, they, we, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, all the kids who left and um, there was really a lack of trust from player to player and from players to coaches. I, I think there was a total disconnect all the way around. Um, kids didn't trust each other because they weren't sure who was going to be here day to day and they didn't co trust coaches. Um, I will say that I think that's something that's kind of starting to plague education is that, Education is becoming um, more and more of a service industry where I think people expect to get a return on things um, rather than, you know, having to, to work through it. Um, but uh, these guys, they just keep battling. And what's impressed me the most is they've had each other's back. And I tell them, because I've got like five of them in one of my classes, I say, guys, here's what's going to happen. You pull that rope in the same direction. Somebody's going to take you lightly. You're going to upset somebody in this league because it's a tough league. You know, at the beginning, everybody thought, you know, Saugus and Valencia. Nobody was mentioned in West Ranch. West Ranch beat Saugus the other night. Saw so you're playing Saugus tonight. They're 0-2. You're 0-2. You know, what do you hope, what do you want to see from them as games progress? I just want to keep competing. I mean, I you truly find out about your team in practice, I believe. And, you know, coaches love practices. I do. I, I love it. I, you know, give me a choice between a game and a, and a practice. I'll choose practice all the time because that's where we get to teach, you know, and that's where you get to have more interaction with your guys. But obviously, you know, um, the games are the tests. So I just want to see us continue to compete and, and maybe more importantly, to continue to have each other's back. And I look at this group, Tony, like I looked at that first group of seniors who graduated in, what would that be, 07? Yeah. And I, I, I look at this group and go, you know what? It, it, it's deja vu all over again. They're, they're, build, they're rebuilding that culture they're rebuilding for four it. years yeah. down the road. I mean, it, there's the example that they've set that you just keep playing, you keep competing, and you have each other's back. Um, that has permeated through the entire program already. And at the end of the day, nobody's going to say to anybody, you know, hey, you know, uh, Johnny, what was the score of the third league game your senior year of high school? And Johnny's going to look around and go, I, I don't know, but I remember the bus rides. I remember the practices. I remember all of those other things. And I think you'll agree with me that that's probably some of the most important stuff. Yes, we want to win but we want to build young men, responsible, productive people. I, I the, the greatest pride I have, you know, I, I'm, I'm proud of the league titles, you know, and I'm, I'm proud of what we did in the playoffs and all those things. But, and, and again, cliche, but it's true. I'm so proud of, of what guys have gone on and done in their lives. Dustin Walker, who, you know, was um, the chief of staff on the House of Representatives Armed Services Committee. Um, I've got guys who run their own businesses, who are fathers of great kids. Um, and you see somebody like Taylor Statham, uh, you know, what he's doing within the youth basketball community and, and what he did with his fundraising game 
with with a whole bunch of guys for for you know the Saugus High School shooting victims and and all of that, you know, and 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 Taylor allowing me to be a part of that was that 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 was special to me, and I I enjoyed doing that. Yeah, I know it was a it was a lot to organize. Um, you know, Taylor worked really hard. You know, we as basketball program worked really hard, um, but it was the right thing to do. And, yeah. Um, at the end of the day, isn't that why we're here? I, I would think so. And, and, you know, I, I guess, I guess, you know, one of the things I think is plaguing high school sports, and I understand it, is the fact that schools, because of funding, have had to, you know, hire more and more walk-on coaches. Yeah. And I think that that there's nothing against walk-on coaches. No, but but ones. the reality but is, when there's a lack of funding and stuff like that, and people don't want to do it, and it, it's 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 hard because. You know, we're educators, so we look at things maybe a little bit differently yeah. than somebody who's just a coach. Yeah. And, um, and and I think it would be a great world if we could get back to a place where, you know, the majority of coaches were also teachers. And kids went to a school where they're supposed to go and you played for <laughs> Neighborhood Pride and everybody just had a heck of a lot of fun, right? Wasn't that, wasn't that the thing? I mean, yeah. you know, you grew up and it was you and your friends and yep. you wanted to stay together yep. and you wanted to compete together, you know? And I still think that's where it is, you know? I, I do mean, too. You, you can transfer, you can go, you can leave, you know, whatever. Hey, my daughter came here. You know? Yeah, yeah. Last thing, I want to ask you five five quick, stupid questions, <laughs> Okay. And I got to think them up because I didn't come up with any. A favorite pizza topping? Pepperoni. Favorite ice cream flavor? Lactose intolerant, but mint chip. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your dream car? Oh, dream car. Um, one that I don't have to put gas in. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not a car guy, so that's a good question. Um, uh, I'll, I'll say this. Um, a Ferrari 308 because I was a huge Magnum PI fan. Well, who wasn't? Okay, <laughs> and then he got all the babes. Um, USC. Yeah. Well, there. Yeah. There you go. John Wayne USC. Um, let's see. Who's your Super Bowl pick? You Out of the four teams that are left, I my my son is firmly convinced that Kansas City is going to win. I I would not be surprised to see Tennessee. They remind me so much of the Giants who were able to do the Tom Coughlin. We beat the Patriots and, you know, 17 and 0. They just, they're built for the playoffs. Yeah. They, they got a great running game. And uh, last thing for me is, and I just had the question in my mind, but I just forgot favorite athlete of all time. Ooh. Favorite athlete of all time. I will say Kareem Abdul-Jabbar because not only uh, in my mind, the greatest basketball player of all time, but uh -huh. Um, a great human being. And he's doing a lot right now. Great yeah. human being. Yeah, yeah. Well, Chris, thank you for taking the time, walking all the way down here to the dungeon <laughs> to my classroom to get this done. Um, good luck tonight against Saugus, and uh, thanks for taking the time to do this. Anytime, man. We're going to need the luck tonight, so I appreciate it. Well, you know what? I was talking to the kids. They think that you got a good game plan, so hopefully you get a W. Uh, if you like the podcast, please subscribe. If you've got any suggestions for me, please email me at TonyMoskal at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at TonyMoskal. Thanks again for joining us here and have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.